stay bout it I'm not pouting Break through walls and climb it mountains If you want it, scream it loud What's up superstars? Welcome to the Brain Tainment Podcast. Listen, if you're someone who wants to build more confidence within yourself, your ability to perform, to execute, to build skills, or to just feel better, or if you're someone who wants to architect a new empowering identity, this is the platform for you. Listen, we have all kinds of guests on this program from the psychology space, neuroscience, sports, as well as cultural icons and influences where we get to pick apart their story and learn a bit more about them. So be sure to subscribe. I hope you get value from this show. If you do, if you do enjoy it, please, please, please do me a favor. Put it on your socials, share it with friends and families who you think this message could help or they would enjoy and be sure to share the love and tag me on those platforms. We'd love to get some feedback. Without further ado, enjoy this episode. Welcome to Braintainment. In this episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with Michael Crosland, one of Australia's most sought-after inspirational speakers, and rightly so too. His story is truly remarkable. He's a very inspiring character. In this chat, we unpack his journey, uh, diagnosed with a very rare form of cancer and spending over a quarter of his life in, in and out of hospitals, so many constant setbacks throughout his life, yet what he's gone on to accomplish is nothing short of amazing. And we look at the psychology around what allowed him to do that, some of his principles for keeping a level of gratitude and joy throughout his life. And I guarantee you guys, if you tune into this one and take away a few notes, you're going to get tremendous value um, that we can all apply to our lives. So if you're someone that's wanting to learn a bit more about what it takes to work through challenges, to overcome setbacks, and to start reshifting our own self-narrative despite the odds and despite what we may have been through in the past, then guys, you're going to love this episode. Um, and even if that doesn't resonate with you, it's well worth a listen for this inspirational story alone. So strap in. And of course, if you get value from this episode, be sure to connect with myself, connect with Michael, share this episode on your socials. That would be fantastic. And I look forward to sharing more with you guys soon. Enjoy the episode. Michael Croslin, welcome to the show. Mate, we're just chatting off air about uh, how this came to be. I've been familiar with your work and your story a little bit, but um, we're just having a little chuckle off air about how I heard you sharing at a, at a, a conference. Um, recently, my partner was involved in that virtual conference. And um, for me, that was really the indication that I need to get this guy on, on for a chat and unpack his story and, and share it with my community, mate. So I do appreciate you carving out the time to, to join us today. My pleasure, mate. And the one thing that you chose to uh, not share then was the fact that you were having a nap during the day whilst I was presenting. So um, yes, I did. I'm glad you're awake, brother. That we can do this in the afternoon, and you're not having your your poppy nap. <laughs> it was intentional to omit that information. There now. I was having a having a nana nap, but uh, albeit you woke me up, mate. You, you shared some powerful stuff, which we'll unpack today, of course. And I was like, all right, I'm on. Um, but nevertheless, I shared a little bit in the intro. Um, just now, but for those that maybe aren't familiar with who you are, um, I know it's a, a long journey. Um, there's a lot to unpack, which we'll see how much we can get to today. But perhaps from your point of view, Michael, um, how do you end up in this space now? I know it's a pretty powerful story behind it. I think that'll give good context for the rest of this chat. So if you wouldn't mind, maybe just walk us through what that, what that journey um, has been like for you. Yeah, thank you, mate. It has been a bit of a wild ride. And you know, I, I really mean it when I say I'm just an ordinary Australian that's faced my fair share of adversities and now very, very privileged to uh, travel the world and share with people. I've been lucky enough to 
you know, share the stage with the Dalai Lama and Branson and tour all around the world. But I, uh, I think that, you know, we all have a story to tell, right? We all have pain, we all have suffering. But the one thing that I've discovered over many years is that it's not our pain and suffering that is so different, it's our solutions. And I've been really fortunate enough to, to have, I guess, the mindset to be able to get some sort of reward from my pain. And I think that's allowed me to now do what I do. And, you know, in 2019, I was on 186 flights. I spoke in 22 different countries around the world. And then 2020 hit. And with my immune system, I wasn't allowed outside. I, I went into isolation for seven months. I, I literally wasn't allowed to leave my house. All our food got delivered to our garage. We would spray it with Glen 20. Then we'd hose it off with water. And then we'd finally be allowed to bring it in the house. So, you know, I understand that a lot of people are doing it pretty tough right now in different parts of the world and in our own backyard. But mm. I really think that our body has limitations, but our mind does not. And the more that we can invest into our mind and, and shift our mind and shift our heart and get perspective, I think that's the way that we can uh, really transform the way we look at our problems and, and deal with our challenges more effectively. But I was, uh, in a nutshell, I was, I was diagnosed with an incurable cancer uh, of the central nervous system as an 11-month-old baby boy called neuroblastoma. Doctors said no chance of survival. Uh, but fortunately enough, my mom asked one question. I don't want to know what the chances are of my son dying. I just want to know what the chances are of my son surviving. The doctor said I had a 96% death rate, go home. And I'm just so lucky that my mom chose to look at my life not being 96% empty, but she chose to look at my life being 4% full. I started chemo on my first birthday. My chemo cycle was uh, nine days on, three days off, not for weeks, not for months, but for years. Uh, I was on that same cycle until one day a doctor came in, said to my mom, the treatment's no longer working. We need to go into surgery. I went into surgery. Six hours later, the doctors said they didn't get it all. Uh, my dad and my three older sisters, they were flown from Coffs Harbour down to Sydney to say goodbye to their, to their son and their brother. And uh, the next day, we were very fortunate that we were approached by a, uh, an American doctor. He was trialling an experimental drug uh, with 25 patients around the world. Uh, 24 of them had been selected and they asked whether we wanted to be number 25. And I, uh, I really believe that outside of love, hope is one of the most powerful words in the English dictionary. And that gave us just that little ounce of hope that, that there is an opportunity, there is still a chance, a fighting chance that we could get through this. Uh, so we obviously said yes. Uh, we had to sign a waiver because we had no idea what the side effects would be of this trial drug. But if we didn't do anything, then I was going to die regardless. So it was really just basically suck it and see and hope to God that we have a positive outcome. Um, the outcome for me was positive because I'm still here. Um, but the outcome of the trial was a huge failure. Really? Uh, within one day, we were all transferred, all 25 of us were transferred from the oncology ward to the burns unit. Uh, the after effects were so bad that we were completely covered from head to toe in blisters. Um, they would wrap us up in bandages and lie us in baths full of ice trying to prevent our brains from frying. And then it started burning our internal organs. Um, within one month, uh, 20 out of the 25 of us uh, died from that drug. Uh, began to burn my, uh, my lung, my liver, my kidneys. Um, the muscles around my heart began to deteriorate. And within 90 days, 24 out of the 25 of us had died. And uh, I say to people all around the world that I'm one of the lucky ones. But as you know, Liam, I'm, I'm not one of the lucky ones because I'm still alive. I'm one of the lucky ones because I wasn't my mum. My mum had to make the choice to inject a drug into a child that's killed every single person ever taken it. Um, and she, um, 
she had to go to death counseling once a week to deal with what was going to happen to a little boy. And I can only imagine as a parent what sort of fear and what sort of pain that must put in mm. the hearts and minds of a mom or a dad. And um, they, they only told me continuously whilst in hospital what I could not do. But I realize now that no one is ever going to tell you what you can do. They'll only ever tell you what you can't do. And it's not the adversity in your life that defines you. It's about how you deal with the adversity that allows you to live a great life. They told me I'd never go to school. Um, they told me I'd never play sport. I'd be a housebound baby. And if I reached my teenage years, it'd be a miracle. My mom come through the curtains and I made it. I didn't hear what the doctor said. I said, what did the doctor say? She said, oh, the doctors told me that everything was going to be okay. Hmm. I went to school. My time at school was tough. As you know, I got picked on horribly. You know, I say my time at school was harder than my time in hospital Sundays because there was never a day in hospital I got picked on. But I think that your value does not decrease based on one's inability to see your worth. And I think in the world that we live in today, we strive so hard to have other people believe in us, but really we just need to believe in ourselves. And I had this one big dream and that was, you know, to, to play baseball in America. And they told me I'd never be able to play sport, but I managed to do that as well. At the age of 12, I made the Coffs Harbor team. Then I made the New South Wales team. One week before I flew out to the national championships, I got really sick again. Unfortunately, from the side effects of the drug, I had my first heart attack. I was in hospital for three months. They told me I'd you know, never play sport again. And again, my mum come in and I said, what did the doctor say? She said, oh, the doctors told me that everything was going to be okay. And she believed in me. And two and a half years later, I, I got that chance. I played in America. I played over there when I was 14, 15, 16, 17. I signed a scholarship to live over there and play baseball which was just a, a dream come true. But um, as we all know, life is very much like a roller coaster and mm -hmm. our world can change in a heartbeat. And um, that's exactly what happened for me. I slid into a base in Arizona. I was only there for six months and I woke up three days later, my heart deteriorated, my health couldn't keep up. Uh, and I was, I was sent home. I, I never played baseball in America again. Did a TV show on Australian stories, which was a lot of fun. Then I got a job in banking. I climbed the corporate ladder very quickly, as I'm sure we will unpack later on today. Uh, within four years, I was the youngest national sales development manager for one of the largest companies in the world. I had 600 staff, 120 banks around Australia and New Zealand. And um, I was driven by the three Ps that destroy people. I was driven by power, privileges and possessions. And... Um, I had to live in the multi-million dollar house. I had to have the $100,000 sports car and the, the roller. I, I remember driving to work in the city and, and um, I drove past these two backpackers. I had my sports car, you know, music going. I'm sure we've all done it, blaring. One hand on the wheel, roof off. And there was these two backpackers looking at me and as I drove past and I thought they were looking at me going, wow, he is successful. <laughs> but now I realise they were probably looking at me, Liam, going, wow, he is a wanker. Because, because that was really what I was. I, I thought I was better than other people because I lived in a house that I couldn't afford and drove a car that the bank owned and wore suits that, you know, really didn't suit me. And um, it took me to hit rock bottom, 2009, 2010. I got bacterial meningitis, got fluid on the brain, had Bell's palsy uh, to really wake up to myself and realise what was truly important. And that's when I... Walked away from the corporate world. I had a dream and a goal to make a global impact. And uh, people laughed at me, told me I was crazy. But that was, that was my dream. And uh, I, started, I started small, uh, but, I, but I had that big 
that big vision. And I think that that's really what we need to do. We need to have a big dream, but just have little baby steps to get there. And I, I started in the humanitarian space. I, uh, I linked up with a whole heap of charities. And then I realized that you were donating $50 to provide drinking water to a boy or girl in Africa and 45 bucks was getting chewed up in admin fees and $5 was going to the kid. I was, I just, it wasn't congruent. It didn't line with who I was or what I stood for. And uh, so then we started our own charity called Frontier Projects where every cent gets sent and we decided to head overseas and, and make a real difference. And in 2010, there was a horrible earthquake. You may remember um, down in Haiti, uh, two and a half million people were killed and uh, sorry, 316,000 people were killed. Two and a half million people were left homeless. And uh, we went down there and we, we rebuilt a, uh, a school for 120 little kids in a remote village called Bouvier. And then we were told we'd never be able to start a family. So um, we decided to open our own orphanage. So we have 44 kids that, uh, that we look after over there now that uh, we get to look after 365 days a year. Every one of them gets a, a roof over their head and, and three meals a day and an education. And, you know, I am um, from all the things that I've been able to accomplish in my life. I think that's, that's without a doubt, one of the, the greatest um, knowing that, you know, I've been able to transform a community and, and change a lot of kids lives. And hopefully that domino effect will continue. Um, as you know, my, my health continually challenges me up until this very day. Um, 2016, I was diagnosed with four more tumors of the throat. Um, I uh, was told that my tomorrows weren't guaranteed. And I, I remember saying to the doctors, that's one thing that we all have in common. And no one's, no one's guaranteed tomorrow. And uh, the quality of one's life is not determined by how many days we live on this earth, but it's about what we fit into those days that allows us to live a remarkable life. And, you know, I, I feel as though I have so much to give to the world. And, um, you know, 2017, that was proven beautifully. Not only did I get to travel the world and, and go on a whole heap of different TV. I ended up on Ridiculousness on MTV in the States. It was, I was on really? here in Australia. Like it's just a video has gone viral now of me speaking. It's had like 80, yeah. 84 million views. Like it just... It's amazing when you just open your heart up to serve other people, what can happen. And, and we, um, we opened our hearts up in our home for a miracle, and that was to, to become parents. And uh, we were fortunate enough in 2017 to announce to the world that we were, we were expecting a little baby. And um, my wife was due to have our child uh, the end of February 2018. But on the 12th of December, 2017, um, my wife gave birth to a, a beautiful little boy um, who arrived 10 weeks early. Um, he weighed less than two pounds and he was very, very, very unwell. We were in uh, intensive care unit level three down in Sydney. And um, we were given the news that we needed to prepare um, to say goodbye to our little boy. and. That, um, that's the worst pain that a human being can ever experience. And it was the first time that I walked a few days in my mum's shoes. And I realised that it's far easier lying in the bed than standing next to it. And um, I watched a man resuscitate my little boy. And I remember screaming out aloud, just 
take my house, take my career, take everything I've ever been able to create, but, but please don't take my sweet little boy. And that was, um, that was three and a half years ago and he's, he's still here and he's still smiling and he's still fighting and he's, um, he's a healthy little turd and uh, he, uh, he shits more than we can imagine. He, um, he eats more than we can imagine and we, um, we love him. I can imagine. Um, we love him more than we could ever imagine. Wow. And, um, and then our, uh, our sweet, our sweet little girl arrived in January of this year. So, um, now we have a, a, a healthy little boy and a gorgeous little girl. And, um, yeah, obviously COVID has played a big factor in, in our life and the, and the ability for me to travel and impact the world has come to um, a standstill because I can't, I can't travel, but now I'm, I'm doing so much online. I've, you know, I, last week I spoke in South Africa, in New York and in Perth all on the same day. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have to, I didn't have to leave the house. I was on the trampoline at eight 45 and then closed a conference in the States, you know, just at nine o'clock, which was crazy. And, and then last year, uh, when the world changed, I, um, I put pen to paper. I, I wrote my, um, my book, which I know we'll talk about later. And, you know, that, that is, um, that's now a bestseller in six countries around the world and we donate all the profits to charity. So mm. that is, uh, that is my 37 years on earth, um, wow. packed into 10 minutes. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very grateful to still be here and I'm, I'm very blessed to, um, to be able to hopefully get out of bed every day and make an impact in just one person's life and they can pay that good deed forward and make a difference in someone else's. Well, you're certainly doing that, Michael. And, um, you know, really appreciate you being so vulnerable and sharing that with us. You know, you mentioned the video in there that's become viral. I was just watching that before we jumped on myself and it was really moved. Uh, I had to bring myself together before we went live on the chat. Um, it, it really is. It's an unbelievable story. Um, and what I really wanted to kind of put to you from a place of my own curiosity, and I think would be really useful for people is, and you, you alluded to it so beautifully in that this idea of, of um, how powerful hope can be uh, and how adversity can really, through the right frame of reference, through the right lens, can really you know, be a blessing and set you up for the rest of how you go about your life. And I think most people know that to be true, I guess, on sort of like a cognitive understanding sense. But for so many others, at least from what I've seen, even in my own journey, sometimes adversity can break you as well. Mm. And I suppose, you know, for you, was that something that you were kind of hyper aware of as you go through life with these, you know, unimaginable hurdles and setbacks that are consistently thrown at you, um, that you were able to kind of just move through that? Is that something that you're aware of at that time that, that there, is a, there is a way through it, I suppose? Because I guess what I'm trying to determine is, um, what's the difference between someone who can use that and, you know, um, appreciate the little things in life and whatever it might be versus someone who's just completely crushed by um, any sort of adversity? Mm. I think, you know, thank you for the question, but I, I, I really do believe that I, I've been in a position where I've not known anything different my entire mm. life. You know, every memory that I have of my past, there has been some type of pain, some type of illness, some type of suffering. And I think that when you are so acutely aware of your health and it's something that you haven't 
taken for granted your entire life. I think that gives you that inner strength and that inner resilience to continue to fight. You know, I, I know that we'll get through to our, our daily routines and things like that that we can talk about throughout today's session to be able to give tangible tools mm. to, to your audience. But I think for me, like every single morning I go through my gratitude stuff and it's amazing when I'm sick, I'm grateful that I'm one step closer to being healthy. And when I'm healthy, I'm grateful that I'm healthy. You know, it's just, a, it's really amazing how when we are healthy, we have hundreds of dreams and goals and wishes. But when we are unhealthy, we just have one. Hmm. And sadly, in the world we live in, we wait until it's too late before we decide to change. You know, we wait until we're diagnosed with lung cancer before we think, yep, I'm going to stop smoking. We wait until we lose someone that we love before we make the effort to tell them that we love them. You know, I challenge you. I challenge everybody listening um, today. I want you to text somebody and just say, hey, I care about you. I love you. Thank you for being a great friend. Mm. That's it. I just I just challenge you to jump on your phone after the podcast or now hit pause and uh, and text somebody to say, hey, I care about you. I love you. Thanks for being a great friend. I guarantee you a large percentage of the people that are listening's response will be two words and a question mark. It'll be what's wrong. Your friends, your family will write back thinking that there is something wrong. They'll think you are dying, you've lost your job, or you're drunk. Because we don't tell people what they mean to us, right, mm. until it's too late. And that's why I think right now, to your point and your question, I think it's really important that we begin to prioritize the little things that we take for granted every single day, mm. even little things like freedom that we've all taken for granted for so long until it gets taken away from us, to be able to build the mindset, to be able to build that resilience, that courage that determination you know I, I was lucky enough in 2019 to tour with um eric thomas he's a he's a speaker in america and i know et yeah et great guy really well, personally his entourage is a little bit more than mine right i was speaking in vegas when i first met him and he's got like 15 people that walk with him and security guards and bodyguards and and like you know fitness trainers and all these people and then i rocked up and I quickly rang two of my mates and said, man, you need to come to Vegas. So I paid for them to come to Vegas and I made them wear a suit just so, just so <laughs> I felt like I had an entourage. I was fine solo. There was no one with me. But, you know, he, he speaks about you're already in pain. You may as well get a reward for it. And I think that's so true. You know, like if we're battling, don't, don't quit. Don't give up. You've already experienced some sort of suffering. Now it's time to to, to get some joy from that battle, to get some joy from that suffering. And, and then it makes the suffering worthwhile. And, and you know, I, I really live that motto that if you do what is easy, then your life will be hard. Mm. But if you do what is hard, then your life will be easy. And I think, you know, if we can self-reflect on that on a regular basis, going, hey, what are we doing right now? Is this easy? Is this challenging us? Is this growing us and stretching us? And if the answer is no, then we're never going to live an easy life. We're never going to live a, a fulfilled life. But when we take a step back and go, you know what? I want to battle. I want to grind. I want to fight through my suffering and my pain. Because when I come out the other side, I, you know, you walk through the coolness of the shadows to enjoy the warmth of the sunshine. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I reckon that is that kind of frame of reference, I suppose, or that perspective. I've heard you talk about um in the past is this idea of perspective and how powerful it can be it's little things like that right reorienting our, our attention to things we're grateful for and that little exercise i will second that challenge i will do that after our chat today and i encourage anyone tuning in to do the same thing 
Uh, and funnily enough, it feels good to do it as well, right? And so you make someone else feel happy and, of course, inherently feel warmer ourselves, which is really cool. Um, but the thing we get is, the dopamine. Is, we get the dopamine hit. We do something absolutely. that makes somebody else feel good, which makes us feel good. You know, and, and the thing is, too, Liam, to your point, you the person that you may email, the person you may text, you know, seriously, they may be on the knife edge. They may be on the edge yeah. of a building. They may yep. be holding the rope. They might be right at that breaking point and they get your message. you got no idea, but they get your message and you save their life. And you'll never know. And you're not doing it because you want to save someone's life or change someone's life. You're doing it simply to make an impact. And sometimes that impacts on you. And sometimes that impact is saving somebody's life. And, and to your point earlier as well, like we, we subconsciously begin to, when we, when we address our gratitude every day, we subconsciously start to look without us even knowing subconsciously, we start to look for things that make us um, grateful that we not normally would acknowledge. And it all starts with just of a morning writing down three things you're grateful for. And then all of a sudden our mind starts to grab things and identify things. And we wonder why people that go through hell and back uh, are so optimistic because, mm. because they're grateful for the little things. It's a really good insight. And it goes to the, this idea that you've shared in the past around unwavering optimism. And that's, that's kind of what we're alluding to a little bit. And I think what's really interesting, and I found this in my own, my own life is these the, we're after a feeling more often than not, whether it's to feel gratefulness or to feel a sense of love or hopefulness, but these practices can build towards that. And I remember you know, a couple of years ago, I started getting into meditation and journaling and um, it was certainly no, it was, I never laughed at those sort of things. It was just something I just never prioritized because I always felt it's not going to, it's, it's too simple to, to give me the feeling that I'm longing for, which might be, you know, um, a sense of just feeling really assured of myself or a feeling really grateful for my life. Um, but I chip away, chip away. And, and then over time, that practice actually turns into something like you, like you mentioned around, well, we start noticing things um, that actually make you feel grateful. Just in that one example, off the back of just trialing and building on this simple practice. Um, are there other kind of daily rituals or ideas or even beliefs that, have worked really well for you that you think for the most part are kind of a universally um, usable for, for people that might be yeah, absolutely. To, to navigate through life? Yeah, you, you touched on it very briefly then, and that's meditation. You know, I, I honestly thought, and excuse my bluntness, but I'm, I'm just an average Aussie, you know. Uh, me too. I thought that people that meditated were bong-smoking hippies that drove around <clears throat> vans and wore cotton that had giant beards that burn incense. Like that's who I thought meditated yeah. and I stayed clear of it because that was sort of a different world for me. And now, you know, I, I've worked with athletes earning $30 million a year. I've worked with some of the top CEOs in this country. And the one thing they all have in common is they all meditate. They all understand the importance and the power of silencing the mind. We have, we have 86,000, um, oh, sorry, we have 56,000 negative thoughts a day. Mm. 56,000 negative thoughts. And uh, I, we actually have the ability to slow our thoughts down. And, and that's through the power of meditation. I think that if anybody that's listening has not tried meditation, um, I, you know, maybe even reframe it, reword it and use it as mindfulness, you know, mm -hmm. just some mindfulness breathing, then it's, it's certainly, certainly changed my life. You know, I, 
I think that it has, you know, the Dalai Lama uh, sums it up beautifully. And, and, uh, and uh, he says, when he was interviewed in a press conference, they said, what do you get from meditating? Like, what do you get? And he says, oh, it's not about what I get from meditating. It's about what it takes away from me when I meditate. It takes away anxiety. It takes away fear. It takes away frustration. It takes away the worry of dying. And I think, yeah, that, like it's, it's not all about doing something to get something. Sometimes it's about doing something to release and remove something. Yeah. You know, I, I do a lot of to stop lists rather than to do lists. And for me, that's, that's been a game changer because every time I do a to stop list, I actually gain more time to do things that serve me more effectively. But to your point, you know, the three things that I do every single day, non-negotiable is activate, meditate, appreciate. They're the three things that universally, I believe, if we all did, would have a profound impact on our mental health, uh, would have a profound impact on our relationships with friends and family and loved ones. I, I really think that physically and emotionally, spiritually, our lives will change forever if we can be strategic in allocating time effectively every single day to activate, meditate, and appreciate. Activate some sort of exercise. Go for a run, a walk, push-ups, sit-ups, star jumps, whatever it is. You know, when I couldn't leave the house, I made sure I did my 50 by five. So that was 50 star jumps, 50 push-ups, 50 sit-ups, 50 squats, and 50 dips. I made sure I did that every day. And then that became easy. So then you'd go to 60 and then you'd go to 70 and that would continue to grow and you'd be more energized and the dopamine and the endorphin hit that you get when you exercise makes you feel really good. So you get addicted to it and you do more and more of it. If you can do it for 21 days straight, then it becomes a habit, not an activity, which is amazing. So then your brain just doesn't even think about it. You just get up and you do it. The second thing was meditate. I always meditate every single day, sometimes twice a day. Sleeping was a really big challenge for me because I couldn't slow down my thoughts. And I started meditating in the morning. That gave me great peace throughout the day. And I started meditating before bed. You know, so often the, the, the last thing we do before bed is roll over and turn the TV off. But if we can have no connection to technology an hour before we sleep, you know, maybe you'll have a baby in nine months, who knows? But I'm telling you, your, your life will be better because you will start to sleep better. You will start to recharge. You'll give your eyes, your retinals, a bit of a rest. Mm. And uh, then the last one is, is is gratitude. You know, three things that you're grateful for every single day. I have nine clients that I work with um, every single day, and I text them every single morning the nine thing, the three things that I'm grateful for, and they they send it back to me. And the reason why we do that is just to purely drive accountability. If I'm thinking about it, that's great. If I'm writing it on a piece of paper, neither of those have accountability. Whereas if somebody's waiting on me and I'm waiting on them, then we're not going to let each other down. So um, they're the, you know, to your question, they're the things that I do uh, non-negotiables every single day that I think have really served me well. Yeah. I love that. And yeah, super tangible, super simple. And my God, that can be powerful. Um, and I sort of, I mentioned it before about meditation, building that into my own routine and similar to like you shared in the mornings, it really helps ground me. I find yeah. I often wake up, you know, I'm still unpacking a lot of um, stuff from my, you know, around, it's a whole other conversation, I won't make it about me, uh, but waking up and at times my body is so familiar with anxiety, uncertainty, frustration, all these sort of low vibrancy emotions and kind of, if I don't sleep well in particular, sort of immediately into that state and it's very hard to operate well from that state. So in the morning, just that calming and, and grounding is super powerful but then um the afternoon evening 
try and incorporate that second um, meditation session has been so powerful, but I don't always do it. So I need to, um, I need to build the consistency in the habit. Um, but it really has been super powerful. I want to talk about just um, quickly as well. You, you touched on some of the clients that you work with now. Um, are there, are there some commonalities that you've come across in terms of, I guess, challenges that, that people generally face, whether it's trying to pursue a goal, trying to feel a certain way, are there certain commonalities that you find get in the way? Um, or, or is it ultimately sort of come back to this, um, I guess, mindset perspective and the way we see the world? I think probably three things, mate. The first thing is perspective. Absolutely. You know, I, I have some very wealthy clients and their, their challenges are very different than, than mine and yours. Mm. You know, they're, they're frustrated because their boat hasn't arrived at the Whit Sundays for where the helicopter is going to fly them into. Whereas you and I are, working out what we're going to have for dinner, whereas mm. their chef cooks them dinner, you know. So well, it's my a helicopter is always accounted for, so that's <laughs> – I'm, I'm all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe i got a helicopter. I just never have fuel. I don't know. I've just never <laughs> found a helicopter. But I um, – you know, perspective is one thing. Uh, but for me, I really – routine is another thing, mm. you know, routine, balance with their family. You know, one of the guys that I work with, he's at work at 6 a.m. of the morning, gets home at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. He kisses his kids to bed. That's about it. You know, there's no, there's, there's no interaction. There's, you know, and I love that story. And this is a bit of a side story. And then I'll get back to that last one, which is around language. So remind me about language. Mm. But there's a great story about a, a little boy and he knocks on his dad's door and he says, hey, daddy, any chance we could go and play catch? Um, there's a video of me sharing this story online and I, I think it's hit like 10 million views there last week. So it's gone a little bit wild as well, but, and the daddy says, sorry, son, I'm busy. And then the next day, little boy, daddy, any chance we can play catch? Sorry, son, I'm busy. And then third day in a row, he knocks on daddy's door. Daddy says, son, I can't play catch with you. He goes, oh, daddy, I wasn't going to ask you to play catch. He said, well, you're going to ask me. He says, I was going to ask you how much money you earn an hour. And daddy says, that's a rude question, but I earn $50 an hour. And the reason why I'm $50 an hour is so I can put food on the table and a roof over your head so get out of my office and two months goes by and the little boy knocks on daddy's door and he says hey daddy he says yes son he said daddy over the last two months i've been mowing lawns i've been pruning trees i've done every chore that mum has asked of me and um i've been able to raise 25 dollars daddy i was wondering if i could give you this 25 dollars and i was just wondering if i could just have half an hour of your time and could we please could we please just go and play catch and you know i my son will never see me on my phone. My daughter will never see me writing an email. They will never see me on social media. And I remember seeing a photo of a man on his phone and the caption with this little boy looking up at his dad and it said, if only I was my dad's phone, I'd finally get some attention. Hmm. You know, I, I don't ever want that for my kids. I want them to know that they are the most important people in the world. So again, that's perspective. Um, and it's that mindset, but it's also prioritizing what's truly important. And then another common thing um, is language. You know, we, we need to start to reframe and be really micro around the words that we use. You know, we need to stop listening to ourselves and start talking to ourselves, but we need to start using words that are 
constructive, not destructive language. You know, one example that I like to use is, and I hear it all the time when someone says, oh, it's been a really tough day. It's been a hard day. It's been a really challenging year. It's been, you know, it's been really shit. And, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to get across to them that they are all destructive languages. Like, you know, we, we hold on, you know, um, negative words and negative language uh, registers 40 times more effective than positive language. So if we say one thing negative, we need to say something 40 times positive to counteract that one negative language that we use. So rather than using stressful or challenging, I try and use the word character building. That's the phrase that I try and use often. And I think that if we can be so micro, and that's one thing that we work on all the time, is just reshaping and, and shifting the language that they choose to use on a day-to-day basis. Because it's amazing when you start to, to just change your language ever so slightly, how your brain starts to retrain itself to think and look and act and behave and respond to things. You know, I, I talk about reacting versus responding to a situation when we use destructive language we usually react to a situation when we use constructive language we usually respond to a situation we respond with humility and peace and and calmness so you know i think that that language has been a has been a real big game changer for um for what i've picked up across many different codes pro athletes to ceos to mums and dads small businesses to you know just the average joe is that language when we can change our language we definitely will change our lives i love that so much michael more than you could possibly imagine i talk a lot on this show about the power of language and you know far from an expert and master myself but something i try to fall back on and it's so so powerful and just hearing some of that science around why it is that powerful is, is super interesting um before we wrap i want to be respectful of your time um and we'll, we'll learn how we can connect more with you i'm sure people would want to dive into your world but before we do that uh you do have a new book that you've penned everything will be okay from memory what i mean the title immediately rings to my attention and i'm like i love it <laughs> uh what can we expect from that and, and why did you decide to put that together so I guess the title in itself, everything will be okay. If I quickly take you back to the journey, you know, I was told I'd never go to school, never play sport, be a housebound baby. And I said, what did the doctor say? And um, my mum said, everything's going to be okay. And then when I was 12, I had my first heart attack and they said, I'd never play sport again. I asked my mum, what did the doctor say? And she said, oh, everything will be okay. And then when I got sick again, when I was 18, same deal, same thing happened. But then in 2010, um, when I had bacterial meningitis, um, I was really suffering uh, emotionally uh, and my mum was still there and she said, everything will be okay. But then in 2016, when I got diagnosed and I went to the doctors and I was there by myself and I had to hear the words, I was driving home from uh, the hospital and um, from getting the results, I was I was very emotional, and my mum called and I answered the phone and she said, "What did the doctor say?" And for the first time in my life, Liam, I um, I was in a position to return the favour, and I told her that everything was going to be okay. And then, when our beautiful little boy was so sick and a doctor took me into a room and he told us that he had sepsis and that if he made it to the end of the week, it'd be a miracle. 
I walked outside and my wife said, what did the doctor say? And I told her that everything would be okay. And then last year when COVID hit, I had 68 events get cancelled in 24 hours. We just signed uh, the contract and paid the deposit to build our dream home. Um, my wife lost her job. My mum lost her job. And we had no income and big debts. And we had a beautiful little boy. And we were trying for number two. And my wife said, what are we going to do? And I just said, everything will be okay. And it worked out to be okay. So this book is, is from, from my very early days as a, as a sick little boy uh, all the way through to April, May of last year. And um, obviously it's the story and the life journey, but also, you know, it's got all the tools, all the principles, you know, making the choice to live above the line or below the line, being a victim, being a navigator, really taking control of your mindset and all the tools and tips that have allowed and enabled me and empowered me to uh, to be a positive human being on this planet where it would have been so easy to be that victim you know I think that there are only two types of people in the world there are those that use the pain of their past to justify their poor behavior and there are those that use the exact same pain and suffering as the motivation to succeed and I hope that people from reading the book obviously get perspective and get the tools but they also can make the choice moving forward to, um, to, to lead a life that is fulfilling and to love every day and to ensure that they don't just leave a legacy on this planet, but they also live into their legacy whilst they're here. So, um, mm. And obviously all the profits from the book go to charity. We've never taken a cent from the book. Hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last 18 months have been donated to different charities around the world. And obviously we're very, very proud of the impact that it can have. It's incredible and I'm excited to get my mitts on it. We'll put the show notes, oh, sorry, in the show notes links to the book as well. I think it's really, it's really powerful when you couple, you know, tangible takeaways and insightful information with a uh, really moving story as well. And so no doubt that'll be, um, you know, uh, one reason to get, a, to get our hands on this book and absorb that information. Michael, when I great, great stocking stuffer, Liam. Great stocking stuffer. There you go. We're coming into <laughs> Christmas. So people tuning in, you need to fill the stocking and then maybe fill someone's mind with some powerful insights as well. Be sure to uh, to do just that. Um, mate, when I reach out to people to get them on the show, um, obviously I'm thinking about the audience. I'm trying to add value and, and you've done you've done that in spades. But I always want to I always want to feel a certain way. You know, I always want to, I just enjoy conversation with people, um, particularly, you know, throughout the last couple of years, lockdown. It's nice just to be able to think out loud about powerful ideas, unpack stories, and just sort of feel moved in some way. And um, mate, I, I, I for one have really um, felt that today. So I want to thank you for for making the time to share your story and you know, converse with me and share with our audience. Um, it, it's super powerful. And just want to acknowledge you, um, your, the tips and insights that you've shared. I'm looking forward to implementing myself. And again, that's a real barometer for me when I know this is well worth my time investment. Um, but anyway, I could ramble for hours and then, mate, I do appreciate it. Um, and just finally, how can people learn more about 
you are you on socials you got a website where do we where do we get you yeah, yeah i'm on i'm on all that facebook instagram linkedin all those sort of things um website michaelcrossland.com that's where you can grab the book but three things i want to finish on liam please firstly is uh the two greatest days in one's life is the day you were born and the day you discover why you were born mm. so i challenge every one of you to stop and reflect and take a moment to make the effort to discover why you were born, why you were put on this earth. The second thing is someone said to me one day, geez, you've been dealt with some really shit cards. I remember saying back to them, whilst everyone being dealt cards, that means I'm still in the game. And whilst everyone's still in the game, it's about how I choose to play those cards that allows me to live a remarkable life. I challenge everyone listening, don't spend your life comparing your cards to other people. Be grateful that you still have cards. Be grateful that you're still in the game and play those cards as effectively as what you can. And finally, through great darkness, we must remember that that is our discovery moment. We do not discover how unfair our life is, but rather we discover how powerful we have been created. So through the challenges that we have faced in the last 18 months or even beyond that, you know, self-reflect just for a moment and realize that when we are in darkness, that is when we are growing. That is when we are becoming a better version of ourselves. So fight through the darkness, get out the other side, reflect, have perspective, have joy in your heart and uh, really make 2022 the greatest, the greatest year of your life. So uh, Liam, I appreciate you having me on, mate. And um, God bless you and God bless everybody listening. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate the support you guys are showing to this platform. If you got some value from this episode, if you enjoyed it, please do share it on your socials with friends and family. It really helps grow the channel uh, and the mission and everything we're trying to do here with Braintainment. So spread the love. I would be forever grateful. And of course, if you've got some real insights from this episode, hit me up, find me on social, shoot me a message. I'd love to engage and have a chat with you guys. So that's it for now. Until the next episode, thanks again.